Hello and welcome to the Wounded Blue Hour on the America Out Loud Network, a show devoted to the physical, emotional, and spiritual health of America's law enforcement community and those who support them. I'm your host, Randy Sutton, a retired Las Vegas police lieutenant, author of A Cop's Life, and is soon to be released, Rescuing 911, The Fight for America's Safety, and most importantly, the founder of The Wounded Blue, the national assistance and support organization for injured and disabled law enforcement officers. On this program, we examine the realities of policing and its effects on those who serve behind the badge and their loved ones. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Wounded Blue Hour. I'm your host, Randy Sutton. Uh, before I bring in my guest, we're going to go immediately to the reality check. This part of our program, we talk about the uh, sacrifices and the dangers of, uh, of policing. So before we do anything, I'm going to honor those who have made the ultimate sacrifice in the last couple of weeks and given their lives in the line of duty. The first is Master Patrol Officer Clarence C.J. Williams of the Cairo Police Department in Georgia. Master Patrol Officer C.J. Williams passed away after suffering a medical emergency during a foot pursuit. Officer Williams was assisting a Grady County Sheriff's Deputy during a traffic stop in the area of 10th and Robinson. The subject fled the vehicle and the officers pursued him during the chase. Officer Williams collapsed and was unable to be revived. Officer Williams has served the Cairo Police Department for two years. Master Patrol Officer Clarence C.J. Williams, Cairo Police Department, Georgia, end of watch, Saturday, January 28th, 2023. The next is Police Officer Gonzalo Carrasco, Jr. of the Selma Police Department in California. Police Officer Gonzalo Carrasco was shot and killed at 11.45 a.m. on Pine Street in Selma. While on patrol, Officer Carrasco was stopped by a homeowner who stated that a man was on her property when Officer Carrasco investigated the subject, fired several shots, striking Officer Carrasco. The subject fled the scene. Officer Carrasco was transported to the Community Regional Medical Center where he succumbed to his wounds. The subject, a felon on probation, was arrested a short time later and charged with murder, being a felon in possession of a gun and ammunition and a parole violation. Officer Carrasco has served the Selma Police Department for two years and was part of the Explorer Program at the Reedley Police Department. Police Officer Gonzalo Carrasco, Jr., Selma Police Department, California, end of watch, Tuesday, January 31st, 2023. Criminal Investigator Stephen A. Carnes, Tom Green County District Attorney's Office, Texas. Criminal Investigator Stephen Carnes suffered a fatal heart attack while attempting to arrest a subject on Jackson Street at 1 a.m. The subject was non-compliant. A struggle ensued. Despite life-saving measures, Investigator Carnes was unable to be revived. Investigator Carnes has served with the Tom Green County District Attorney for two years, previously served with the Texas Alcoholic Beverage Control Commission for 18 years. Criminal Investigator Stephen A. Carnes, Tom Green County District Attorney's Office, Texas, end of watch Sunday, November 13, 2022. Police Officer Sean Slagansky, McKeesport Police Department, Pennsylvania. Police Officer Sean Slagansky was shot and killed while responding to a domestic situation, Grandview Avenue in McKeesport. The subject's mother called 911 reporting her son was having a PTSD episode and being aggressive. 
Officer Slagansky and another officer arrived on the scene, attempted to contact the man as he walked away. The subject produced a handgun and opened fire, wounding both officers. The subject was shot in the leg by return fire and then fled to a nearby convenience store where he exchanged shots with a third officer being taken before being taken into custody. Officer Slagansky was taken to a local hospital where he succumbed to his wounds. The other officer was critically wounded and flown to a trauma center. Subject was charged with criminal homicide, aggravated assault, and assaulting a law enforcement officer. Police officer Sean Slagansky, McKeesport Police Department, Pennsylvania, end of watch Monday, February 6, 2023. Each of these officers gave their lives in the line of duty, serving their communities. Now, during this segment also, I want to <clears throat> provide you the reality check of the dangers facing um, officers around the country. So I'm going to read some, some stories and some headlines for you. This is all within the last few days. Breaking news. New York police officer struck by stolen vehicle. This is in Chicago, uh, New York. A Chautauga police department officer was struck, seriously injured by a fleeing vehicle while he was helping Depew County police officers end a stolen vehicle pursuit. Started at 4.30 a.m. on February 6th when police officer Troy Blackchief was deploying stop sticks in an attempt to put an end to the pursuit. Uh, the, um, one of the vehicles, as it was uh, fleeing the scene, uh, struck the deputy, or the uh, officer, and he is now in serious condition in the hospital. Man who shot Memphis cop in the head was career criminal arrested more than 30 times. This is in Memphis, Tennessee. A Memphis police officer remains a critical condition. Regional one hospital after he was shot by a career criminal inside the Poplar White Station Library in East Memphis. The uh, Tennessee Bureau of Investigation said Memphis police received a trespassing call at the library. 30 minutes later, police were called and the same subject entered the Poplar White Station Library got into a confrontation with another patron. Two officers responded. As soon as they walked inside, confronted the suspect, the suspect pulled out a weapon and shot one of the officers in the head. The officer returned fire and fatally shot the suspect. The officer is gravely wounded at this time. And it continues. Two Indiana law enforcement officers shot at point-blank range during traffic stop. Mitchell, Indiana, two Indiana law enforcement officers were shot early on Sunday morning after a gun battle broke out during a traffic stop. The incident occurred on State Road 37 at 3.15 a.m. when officers stopped a driver for an alleged traffic violation. Indiana State Police Sergeant John Prine said a police canine responded to the scene during the stop and alerted officers for narcotics in the vehicle. The suspect was identified as Anthony Richmond. As the vehicles were, as the police were searching the vehicle, they placed the subject under arrest. Uh, as they were trying to place him into custody, he ran. When they caught up to him, he resisted arrest and opened fire at point blank range, hitting two of them in the process. The uh, suspect was uh, shot and killed. The officers are in stable condition at this time. Officer killed, second wounded in Western. Pennsylvania shootout. Authorities say a man having, quote, a mental health crisis shot and killed one police officer, wounded a second, and fired at a third before being injured in a shootout in uh, western Pennsylvania. Breaking news. 
is from today. Milwaukee officer murdered while trying to apprehend robbery suspect. Milwaukee police officer is fatally shot early this morning while trying to apprehend a suspect in connection with a robbery that occurred hours earlier. The deadly encounter occurred at 1.16 a.m., according to the Milwaukee police chief. Uh, the officers were searching for a 19-year-old suspect in connection with the robbery. Uh, police located the suspect uh, on 14th Street. He ignored the officer's commands, took off running. One of the officers was able to catch up to the suspect, and a struggle ensued, according to the chief. So the subject pulled out a gun during the brawl and opened fire on the officer. Despite his wounds, the heroic officer returned fire and wounded his attacker. The officer, has, who has not been identified yet, uh, was taken to the hospital but died from his injuries. And then there's this story out of Los Angeles. Los Angeles County Sheriff's Deputy Jonathan Bouchon kills himself at a California bar. Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department um, uh, reported that this incident occurred at Mabel's Roadhouse. A 33-year-old off-duty deputy was found suffering from a gunshot wound to the head. He was rushed to the hospital where he was pronounced dead. Investigators determined he died by suicide. Uh, this is more terrible news even while uh, the violence towards our law enforcement officers continues unabated. The suicide rate of our uh, law enforcement community also continues to rise. And that's why it's so important that uh, when I bring my next guest in, we're going to talk about all of these topics. Uh, but before we do that, I want to tell you about, you know, uh, this show is devoted to um, the safety of law enforcement officers. And that safety is physical. It's emotional. It's their career survival that we're so concerned with as well. And uh, there was a use of force, police use of force, of course, we know is one of the hottest most controversial topics in law enforcement today. Now, how do our officers protect themselves when it comes down to use of force? And that's why I want to tell you about ThinBlueDefend.com. ThinBlueDefend.com was created by a Georgia Bureau of Investigation detective who, had, who has handled hundreds of uh, use of force and, and uh, critical incidents by law enforcement. He realized there was a critical need for officers to have all the tools necessary for them to survive their careers and also the investigations into shootings and critical incidents. So he created this amazing, um, this amazing app that, that, that helps these officers to um, record the, the necessary information for use of force incidents so that they have this as a reference point for uh, for the these investigations you know these are very very critical investigations and and having a tool like this can literally save careers and thinbluedefend.com has that tool, and uh, they've made it very, very inexpensive. This is something that is uh, should be utilized by every police agency. Uh, quite honestly, they should be giving this tool to their officers, and many, many are. But this is a, a very new, very new uh, product, and I urge you, if you are a law enforcement officer, to go to thinbluedefend.com, check it out for yourselves, and uh, and, and you're going to want to. You're going to want to really examine this. This, this could be this could be career saving for you. So that's thinbluedefend.com. Now I want to introduce my guest today. 
I'm going to read her bio, even though I probably know it by heart. Jenny Hill has been a part of the Wounded Blue since its inception in 2018. As a peer advocate, moving into the peer director, chief operations, and now executive director of the Wounded Blue. She is passionate about advocating for injured officers after her own on-duty injury left her with the reality of what so many injured officers deal with, feeling of abandonment loss of career, dealing with the effects of career and injury, post-traumatic stress, workers' comp, EEOC, and having to navigate a new norm. She's a wife, a mom, a business owner, and a post-certified peace officer. Baron is the Wounded Blue Peer Support Ambassador pup and Jenny's own service dog, and he may make appearance on this, uh, on this program as well. Welcome to Jenny Hill as my guest today. Hello, thank you. So Jenny, we're gonna we're gonna be talking about about the wounded blue, and let's talk about how it began first of all, because um, you know the how this organization um, you know has has uh, related to so many officers in the last three and a half four years since since we uh, came up with the idea, and you were you were in on the ground floor from the from the very beginning. So let's talk about first of all, let's talk about you and your career and what happened with you that ended your police career? Well, um, my career started in 05 uh, for a department in Maryland. And then in 09, I moved to a department down in Georgia and um, where I was injured in 2011. Um, ultimately, um, from my injury was forced out in 2013. Um, head injury, shoulder injury, um, fast forwarding to 2013 was forced out. Um, about 11 months in and uh, learned very quickly that I was just a number and the department was just a business. And after all, you know, saw it as uh, business after all is what they said. Um, and uh, that's where the spiral for me started. Um, that dark uh, rabbit hole, as we call it, and um, realizing, you know, I've got to do something. And, um, you know, uh, you and I ended up talking, um, fast forwarding to uh, 2018, and saying we've got to do something for others. And I shared my story um, with you, and it was a very long story. I was in a lawsuit, an EEOC lawsuit for six years. Um, my workers' comp uh, settlement took uh, three years, and uh, the fight seemed never-ending. Um, and we jointly decided with several other of our peer advocates at the time that we didn't want that to happen to any other officers. Um, at the time of my injury, I thought, you know, I was the only one because I hadn't heard um, about it happening to other injured officers. I thought it was just me. And it turns out it happens all over the country, even to this day and um it needs it needs to stop i mean uh, since our inception in 2019 launching at uh, tent city we have helped over 14,000 officers and that doesn't even touch the officers who have yet to hear about the wounded blue so okay the, this we're gonna we're gonna do a deep dive into into the wounded yes. blue but you know one of the things that that you and i have both found is that you know it, for the public who is never exposed to the realities of when a police officer is injured in the line of duty. 
it's it's very difficult for citizens to actually comprehend. Wait a minute. What what do you mean you got injured in the line of duty and they're not paying your medical bills or you're not getting a, a, a pension to live on? It, this is one of the biggest issues that we face in the wounded blue that it is the, it's this perception. You know, let's talk about what happened with you. I mean, you you suffered a severe injury and yet you were treated uh I mean, just go in and, and with a little bit of detail about what took place when you, you know, were severely injured including a, a, a TBI. Um so my injury consisted of a head injury and shoulder injury <clears throat> landing me in the hospital for almost 2 weeks. Um, I was temporarily uh, lost feeling on my right side. Um, and so I had to learn to walk, talk, speak again. Um, and the reality was uh, my chief and deputy chief of that department at the time had stopped by and dropped off their business card. I never saw them. And so that was the reality, the first reality that I faced of who am I to them? Who am I to this department that I had worked so diligently and loyal for, um, you know, four years. Oh, okay, then, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's stop right yep. there. Because this is, this, is, this is one of the things that, that is so devastating to a police officer. Okay, you've been severely injured in the line of duty. And yet you're, no one in, in a position of authority in the department even had the courtesy or the, the, the caringness to actually have physical contact with you and support you in any way while you're laying in the hospital for weeks. Right, um, especially in that leadership role. I mean, here's chief and deputy chief leaving their business cards. They literally slid it up in the number of my um, door to say, hey, we, we showed up and that was it. And our headquarters was literally within walking distance of the hospital. Um, how, how did that make you feel as a human being? Awful. You know, we're taught about uh, the brotherhood and the academy and how we'll be there for each other. And and the reality of, you know, finding that out, it, it, it struck a chord. I mean, that, again, was the start of the spiral of feeling abandoned, abandoned, alone, um, and just feeling like shit at the end of the day of just being nobody. So this is how this is how a physical injury can lead to a um, a serious emotional injury as well, not necessarily from the injury itself, but from the way in which the department treats you. Absolutely. So here I was trying to recover from an injury, on duty injury, and um, you know trying to rehab because I was in physical therapy at the time. And then also trying to um, emotionally recover from the abandonment portion of it. And that was just the start of my recovery process. And eventually, um, eventually you were basically tossed aside. You, uh, you were basically just booted out of your, of your agency. Correct. So um, 2013, so two years of a fight of um, being given different options, resigning, being demoted. Um, and then 2013 um, ultimately was forced to resign due to my injury um, and losing my career all because of an injury. 
It's just, I mean, this is a very, it's very, you and I have both experienced this, of course, now, you know, uh, and we're, we'll get into that in just a moment. But I really wanted to, to hear, I wanted the, 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 the audience to hear this and see this because it is very, it's a very difficult concept to comprehend that, that, our, that a police officer um, who suffers an injury can literally just be, just be tossed aside. So um, you had a lot, you had to deal with, with, with the physical recovery. You had to deal with the emotional issues of this. And it was a long process, was it not? I mean, there's still physical issues that you deal with. Definitely. So I, um, during that first year, I actually had uh, shoulder surgery, reconstructive shoulder, shoulder surgery. And then I also had short-term memory loss from the head injury. And so I had to eventually get cleared neurologically of, um, from, the, from the head injury and then had to get um, constant uh, rehab from the shoulder. Um, all of that on top of uh, eventually having to get therapy for, for the emotional um, portion of it. So it was a continuous process all because of an on-duty injury. All right, let's, let's, let's move into, the, into when, we, uh, when we began this organization. You, um, you actually had started conversations with others on the Facebook platform um, where you discovered that you were not alone, that there were many officers from different parts of the country that we're experiencing the same thing. You know, um, I think it's important that our audience knows that, uh, and they can read it on my t-shirt, never forgotten, never alone, that we began this organization with that concept, that the wounded blue um, is, the, is that thin blue line that we heard so much about during our careers, but, but watched it diminish um, you know, throughout our careers as well. Once, once uh, you know, we were injured ourselves, so we saw that dissipation of the thin blue line, if you will. But you started realizing that this was not just you. Explain how that happened. So Facebook, I have a love hate relationship with Facebook, but um, <laughs> yeah, Facebook exactly. is great. <laughs> Facebook is great for um, connecting. And so there were several um, Facebook groups um, for PTSD, for injured officers. And so um, I had joined several of them and there were other officers who were saying, hey, this happened to me, I was injured in the line of duty and my department said, screw you, you're out. Um, and so I said, oh my goodness, that happened to you too. This is, this is my story. And so we just started conversing and saying, you know, I said, this can't happen. This has to stop, um, you know, and I'll say there's a caveat. There are some amazing agencies out there and you'll hear me, you'll hear Randy say, we'll be the first ones to say kudos to you. You are awesome, um, but they're few and far between. Um, and so um, we just started talking and saying that enough, it has to stop because it, it not only um, you know, you've got officers who are so good and so loyal and so out there in the community, um, you know, working so hard and then an injury um, takes them out for a time. And then you've got the agency saying, I want to replace you with 
somebody who hasn't been injured. And so, you know, and then that adds to their emotional um, side, just like it did with me sending me spiraling because my own chief just said, Hey, here's, here's my business card. I've showed up at where he didn't, and there was no support. Um, and that's where like Randy showed his shirt. Um, we're the new blue, it's the new blue family. And that's where the brotherhood comes in. You have to have that because, you know, at the end of the day, who's going to be there for you. And so, um, you know, that's where we bonded. And, and the people that you spoke to when, you know, getting on these uh, chat groups, if you will, if, uh, for lack of a better word, um, you came to realize that, that, this was, that this was a pervasive issue. This wasn't a, a one-off, that this wasn't, you know, a, 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 an isolated incident, if you will, that this became something that was, um, that you realized was a significant social issue that many police officers face around the country. But before we get into into a little uh, into further, uh, we got to take a quick break and uh, be right back. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutloud.com, seven amazing years. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day. Yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. So um, before we bring Jenny back, I want to I want to tell you about uh, about another another way that police officers have to survive, and that that is and this is pretty interesting. I've discovered this issue when a police officer who created a, a company called OfficerPrivacy.com contacted me. Now, this uh, this retired officer uh, worked in in 
technology with within the within his department and he told me Randy do you have any idea of how easy it is to find personal information including where you live as a police officer and how that can affect the pub the, the safety of these officers and I I'm not a real tech tech guy quite honestly uh, I can barely send an email but when he explained to me and showed me how much information is on the internet and now you know you got antifa you've got you've got people that are very very savvy utilizing technology who are doxing police officers who find out their personal information who go and vandalize their cars their homes and and actually stalk police officers so he created a company called officerprivacy.com and what they do is amazing I've seen this with my own eyes, right? They showed it to me when they they helped me uh, with 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 my officer privacy issues. They there's so much information available out there, and they actually uh, and this this whole company is made up of of uh, former police officers or active duty officers who go in, find all your information, and then get it off the internet. Now, how critical is that for officer safety? They do it. It's inexpensive. Um, they, his, he's really, really dedicated, uh, Pete James, uh, who created this company is really dedicated and a huge supporter of the wounded blue as, uh, uh, as, as, uh, a, uh, a sponsor of our events and also, um, uh, you know, giving, giving, uh, funds to the wounded blue. So I urge you if you're law enforcement, or even if you have been, uh, you're not out of the woods yet, even though you retire or you leave the profession, uh, go to officerprivacy.com, see what they do and uh, get on the program. So Jenny, let's bring you back in. Let So we're, we're now, you and I have met on, on Facebook uh, through, you know, I, I, I personally don't believe in coincidences. I think that things happen for a reason. And our paths met and crossed because of Facebook, which, and I have a love-hate relationship with them as well. But it led to a the birth of an organization. It led to the birth of the Wounded Blue, which, as you said just moments ago, that has helped more than 14,000 law enforcement officers in just the, not quite the four years that we've been actively serving our law enforcement community. So let's go back to, to the beginning when we were coming up with this with this concept. Did you have any idea of the scope of the problem when we first were conversing about this? No idea whatsoever. Um, on the Facebook pages, there were just a handful of officers that we, you know, conversed with. And um, when you and I were talking, you had the same, you know, concept of, of who was out there and who you had spoken with. But we knew that there was a problem because both you and I had gone through it. So we knew if it, there was at least you and I, there was a handful of others. And so, um, you know, wanting to just help. I mean, if we help, we knew if we helped one person, there was that one person that we were helping because of where we had been. And knowing that dark place I had gone down and knowing that one person had reached out um, and then people after that, of course, but you know, I wouldn't be here today had that one person not reached out to help me. And so you and I both had, along with several others, had that same concept of just helping one person. It's like the story of the starfish, you know, it just takes one 
um, to help. And so um, knowing we wanted to help there, but no idea of how many were out there and continue to be out there that yeah. need the help. Absolutely. I mean, um, now the the organization itself, the Wounded Blue, let's talk about the main the main manner in which we reach out and help people, which is the peer advocate support team. And we created this title because it's not just being peer support. It's more, it's being an advocate for, for the people that we work with. So we've, we've created this team. Let's talk about the team and how effective it is and, and what the, what the driving, what the driving mission is for them. We have an incredible peer team. I, I mean, I love it where you and I both do peer supports as well. Peer support is the core of what we do. Um, we currently have 30 peer team members all over the country um, providing uh, peer support, one-on-one um, -on -one, um, conversations, whether it's by phone, email, um, texting, whatever an officer is comfortable doing. Um, our, our team is made up of current and former officers who have been um, injured to some capacity, whether visibly or invisibly or both. Um, it, as Randy says, he says it best, um, shot, stabbed, run over, fucked up and fucked over. I say screwed, screwed up or screwed over because <laughs> I have the Kindler gentler <laughs> tone. But um, so that's our core. And then our, we have the SEAL um, uh, statement. And so that's, uh, Randy's, Randy always says it best because he does the speaking side. I'm, I always say I'm the wallflower, but. Um, I'll, he, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take the SEAL. You're right. So the he, SEAL strategy. He, that, and that's a, he came behind the SEAL strategy. This is what Randy um, came <laughs> up with. And so it's his baby. It's his bread and butter. So I always let him explain it best. <laughs> well, every, every organization has to have a mission statement and a very clear mission. And the Wounded Blue is to improve the lives of injured and disabled officers through SEAL support, education, assistance, and legislation. Because what we have found is it, 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 you can't just throw a Band-Aid and, and solve a problem, right? You can, we can provide peer support, and that's going to help that one individual. But if we're attacking an entire problem, which is pervasive throughout the nation, we have to have a strategy to deal with it on a, on a much greater basis. So through our strategy, you know, let's talk about, about you know, we're talking about peer support now because it is the, it is the bread and butter. And, and you've been the peer team um, uh, basically, you've been running the peer team since our inception. Talk about the training that the, that, that the peer team receives and some of the wins that we have had. So our peer team goes through a pretty um, intensive uh, background, well, now intensive background check, and then those who come on board, we go through a one-week training um, 40 hour, 40 plus hour training um, now held out in Vegas. And then once they go through, and all of us, Randy and I both went through the training as well. And then once we go through the, the training process, um, 
we all kind of hit the ground running and then we also have multiple trainings throughout the year so it's continuous training because we believe that um you have to get it's continuing ed for us but um we've had some amazing wins we've had um we um have had officers who we've um put into recovery um we've had officers who have just been where we are where we just didn't want to go on and where um they are now um helping others through their journey through their stories and realizing you know life is worth um living and their journeys are helping others um we have um some who are walking right along with us in this whole process. Some of our big wins are our legislative advocacy. Heidi Paulson um, and I have um, been able to advocate on several of the legislative bills that have passed um, in the last year. And um, that has been a really big win for us as the wind of blue. I know other organizations have been on it as well, but um, they have been fantastic for us on the PTSD side. Um, also the suicide bill. And um, so we, as the Wounded Blue have been moving and shaking, um, we're excited about um, what's lying ahead for us as well, um, adding more to our team. Let's talk about when I, when I you, you hit on, on some of the major wins, absolutely. Um, let's talk a, a little more personally. How many police officers that you have dealt with or, or people who have been part uh, come to the Wounded Blue for help. How many have told you that you probably saved their life? Oh goodness. Well, I don't. I don't have a ticker. I don't write it all down. Um, but, I, gosh. Even number wise. So you know what? Even not even knowing the number. But understanding that 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 the number has been so many that you can't count, right? And yeah. and that is, I think that every member of the peer advocate support team can count on mm -hmm. on their hands the number of people who have related to them that if it weren't for you, if it weren't for the wounded blue, I wouldn't be here today. And I think that yeah. that, that of, of, of everything that we do and everything that all the interactions that we have, um, you know, those are the most dramatic and they are very, very real. And the fact that an organization like ours, like Wounded Blue exists, is literally a life-saving um, life journey for all of us that are part of the organization. And, and doesn't that, I mean... You know, when, when, when I hear someone, and sometimes it's years later, you know, they don't open up right away, right? They'll come back later after they're in a much better place and, and, and say thank you. You know, but doesn't that, what does that make you feel like inside? It's, it's all worth it. It is all worth it because having been down that road and, you know, just having someone who just knew and wanted to be there and now getting to be there i mean that's where the passion is spurred um for for myself personally um you know finding and having the wounded blue as my purpose and being able to be here and work with you and work with the team um and being passionate about it the first person that ever told me i saved their life took me back um i cried um 
and just, you know, kind of broke me just to feel like I was being able to pass on what someone did for me and that that person is still here today because, you know, of what we do and able to save lives. It's, it's, it is a magnificent feeling um, when, when you realize that, that you have had that much of an impact. You know, so peer support is vitally important to, to, to law enforcement officers who have been injured either physically or emotionally and psychologically. Um, but there are those that, you know, and sometimes that's all they need is they need to, to know that somebody cares, that somebody will listen to them. And once they're part of the once they're they're a part of the peers, you know they can always reach out to their peer their peer counselor, whether it's next month or next year. So it's an ongoing relationship because, listen, law enforcement officers go through you know waves, right? There's times when when they're everything is good, but they, they you know there are certain triggers that can affect law enforcement officers. They're in a you know that they can bring them back to the darkness, and so. By always having that peer in your back pocket, so to speak, it gives them it gives them some solace that there's always somebody that they can that they can talk to. But what happens, Jenny, explain if they need more than just what a what a peer team member can do for them. Suppose they need more care. What explain how how we're we're um, advocating for them if they need more. So if it comes to a point, because we're not licensed therapists, um, we're peers who can relate, but if it comes to a point where we need to step it up and get them in touch with a licensed clinician, we will fill, facilitate a therapist for them. But one of the steps that we take is making sure that that therapist is someone who can also relate, um, meaning that they have law enforcement background, whether they have spoken to um, first responders or whether they were in law enforcement before. In fact, our own uh, clinical director, Trevor Wilkins, um, was a Kentucky uh, state trooper, and now he's a clinical, uh, a licensed clinician and also our clinical director, and we love him. He's the angry Viking for anybody who um, wants to look him up. I'll give him a plug there, um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but we will facilitate a therapist, and um, we not only look to make sure that their background is in law enforcement, but we also um, check to see if they do uh, therapies such as brain spotting or um, EMDR because we have found that those are very beneficial um, um, in therapies, and so um, we will. Um, help facilitate a therapist in a person's area, um, area rather than saying, okay, you need to talk to a therapist, go on your way. And then we'll follow up to make sure that it was a good fit. Um, and like Randy said, we'll walk alongside um, the officer that we're talking with um, because again, our motto is never forgotten, never alone. And so once we connect, you're part of our new blue family um, because we've been there and we don't want you to feel like you're alone. So getting, getting people into therapy with a culturally competent practitioner is, is a huge part of the mission. And it's something that we have, uh, we've, we've worked um, diligently on to, to get that network of people that, that, that can fit that bill. But let's talk about now um, on the same vein. You know, addiction is part of post-traumatic stress injury 
more more often than we want to acknowledge. And the addiction issues are very, very uh, complicated. You know, when you're dealing with police agencies and, and you know, uh, many people don't want to admit about the addiction but are, but are forced to under cer certain circumstances. And um, let's talk about, about how the Wounded Blue helps that those that are that are facing that issue. So the reality is, especially when dealing with injuries, um, you have doctors who will throw pills at you in a heartbeat. Um, and then when you're also dealing with um, the emotional psychological um, side of it, whether it's PTSD or other, um, it's easy to just want to hide in your basement, which is what I wanted to do. Um, I'm very open with my story um, and you, uh, you know, alcohol is, is one of the easy vices. And so sobriety becomes um, a topic that we don't discuss, but should be discussing more. Um, so um, one of the things that uh, the Wounded Blue also does is assist officers who are in need of going to a recovery center or rehab. But what many don't know is that you don't necessarily have to have the sobriety level, which is um, uh, the addiction element. Some who just deal with PTSD, such as I did, may need to go to a recovery center to deal with the emotional and mental well-being side. And so what we can do is help facilitate that as well and get you into a recovery center. And the one thing that we have done um, Randy's gone, Trevor's gone, and myself have gone, is that we feel it's so imperative to go in person to these recovery centers and go in as if we were going to go in ourselves and talk to the intake, talk to the therapist, try the food, check out the rooms, and, and see, is this somewhere we would want to go? So that when we talk to an officer who is in need of going somewhere, we can say, hey, we've been there, we've seen it, we have vetted this place or not vetted that place. And um, so that we can say, hey, we stand behind here. And so we have several locations that we would say in a heartbeat, we would send an officer there and um, to get the help they need so that you can go in and focus. And then we take it a step further so that when an officer reaches out to us, um, we help facilitate that so that you're not worrying about, is my insurance covering it? And what do I have to pay? What do I have to do? I, you're, it, it's so, so lost. And we want you as the officer to be able to focus on your healing and your recovery and we want to take that burden off of you because we understand it can be overwhelming. Um, and so we help facilitate all of that as best we can. Right. And, and, you know, this, and this is, this is a critical part of the mission and, um, you know, addiction is unfortunately uh, often a byproduct of injuries. And those, like I said, in, when we talk about injury, we're talking about physical but also, you know, mental, emotional, and psychological. So um, it is a very, very real. It is a very real component of of the Wounded Blue mission because, and and we 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 learned this early on. But uh, it was very interesting to see how how uh, the the organization has developed its relationships with some of some of the best centers in the country that we have confidence in. Um, you know, we're, we were talking about SEAL, support, education, assistance, and legislation. 
Let's talk a little bit about the educational part. And uh, I think that now is the time to, to really uh, talk about the National Law Enforcement Survival Summit that we have coming up in September. Um, let's talk about that for, for a moment and how that, how that fits into the Wounded Blue mission. Okay. Well, our uh, third annual uh, National Law Enforcement Survival Summit is coming up uh, September 26th to 30th, and it will be held um, back in Las Vegas this year. We're really excited about it. Um, we are going to have some amazing speakers, an amazing keynote speaker. I'll let Randy tell you who it's going to be. Um, <laughs> our, our registration will be up on the website, um, hopefully the end of this week. And it will be held at the Ahern again. That's where we held it the first year. And it was a great facility and they are welcoming, welcoming us back. And um, so we're pretty excited about that. Um, great speakers, great talent again, and looking forward to having um, everyone back. So the National Law Enforcement, third annual National Law Enforcement Survival Summit is every aspect about surviving a law enforcement career. You know, there's the physical aspects, of course, and we we address that with some of the some of the the greatest police use of force experts in the country. But there's also the psychological. There's the emotional. There's the spiritual. There's the financial. Many of many of the aspects of surviving a law enforcement career that that aren't at the top of your mind because most when the when you hear that word survival, we we kind of dwell on the physical part of it, but. The Wounded Blues mission is, a, is about creating an environment where our officers survive their careers and wind up taking their pensions at the end of their career and walk away healthy. And th to that end, that's why we created this amazing uh, summit with the help of, uh, of a Las Vegas businessman, um, uh, Guy Martin, who owns uh, part, who was the founding partner of Guy Martin or Martin Harris Construction, uh, who you know this is this is one of the things that I think I'm so proud of, and I think our organization is so proud of, and that is our relationships with other businesses that are not related to law enforcement who just want to help. And Guy Martin was one of those guys that he uh, he he actually came up with the support. And with the um, financial support as well as the the um, corporate support to create the first National Law Enforcement Survival Summit, so that's part of his legacy as well. And I think it, I know I, I know that you, Jenny, have dealt with so many other businesses that have shown their support for injured and disabled officers. It makes it kind of makes you feel good to know that other people care too, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And, I, and, you know, those partners that we deal with, um, they, uh, we, we urge people to go to the website, check out who it is that's assisting the Wounded Blue, and, and give them your business if you can. That's, that's, really, that's really critical. So, all right, let's talk about, let's talk about as we, don't, we only have a few more minutes, and how do people get help? Or say there's officers out there listening right now, which I have no doubt there are, and they're saying to themselves, you know what, how can I get some, how can I make myself, um, you know, reach out to the Wounded Blue? What should they do? 
Well, if you're on Facebook, you can uh, send us a, um, a message through Facebook. You can send a message through Instagram. Um, I'll give out, if anybody's writing this down, I'll give you our, we have a phone number. It's um, solely dedicated uh, as a Wounded Blue um, peer phone number. That number is 702-290-5611. Um, you can text it or call it. You can leave a voice message um, that comes directly to us and we'll have a peer support team member contact you um, within 24 hours, but it's usually within an hour or two. Um, they're great. Um, or email um, at info at thewoundedblue.org and you can reach out to us at our website www.thewoundedblue.org. So there's several venues that you can reach out to us by, and we'd love to hear from you, um, whether it's just saying hello or whether you need help. We're here to help, and we love to help. Our team is always waiting and willing to um, talk to any officers. It's just our passion and our purpose, and it's where we started back when we trained um, in the summer of 2018 together and then launched in 2019. And it's just we're rocking and rolling and, and loving to reach out wherever we can. You know, and, and one thing that, that I'm very proud of is the, the fact that um, about 80 percent of the people that come for help are actually referred to us by other people that we've helped. And to me, that's you can't get a better um, a better advocacy, if you will, than those who will trust you enough to refer their friends, their partners to the Wounded Blue. And haven't, isn't, haven't you found that that, that is a, the major source of our, uh, of our peer supports? Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that we do beyond just the one-on-one -on -one peer supports is we also um, do group um, uh, SISMs and uh, debriefings, um, whether it's uh, for fallen officers, whether it's for OISs, um, I refer to it as boots on the ground. So if an agency is in need of outside peer support, I know so many agencies, it's so awesome to hear, so many agencies are building their own internal peer support teams, which I find fantastic, but it, you can't peer your own peers when a critical incident happens. So when an agency is in need of an outside um, group to come in, we do that as well and we have um and so we're always ready and available to um come boots on the ground as well yeah that's really important i'm glad you brought that up that the wounded blue is actually a resource for every law enforcement officer in america and um and not only every law enforcement officer but every law enforcement agency we are autonomous we are confidential uh we owe allegiance to only the people that we help and, uh, you know, and like you said, you know, a lot of departments are, are creating peer teams, but, you know, we know that 18,000 police agencies in this country, you know, 20% of them, uh, or, or excuse me, 80% of them have less than 25 cops. So it's very difficult for them to field an effective peer team because you're so familiar with everybody on your department. So that's what that's why the Wounded Blue is such a, 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 an effective organization that we don't we're, we're, we don't know uh, any of the politics to go on. We don't care about the politics. We only care about you if you're a police officer. 
So let's wrap it up here. Um, what we got just a, a minute left here, Jenny. So, um, what would you say to anyone that is out there right now watching this show? If uh, if if they if they need help, what would you say to them? Reach out to us. We are here. Um, our whole team is here. We will help in any way that we can. It's our our passion and our purpose. Um, you are not, you're never forgotten, never alone. And we are, um, you're a blue family. So reach out to us. We're here. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show, Jenny. And uh, you and I will be talking very, very soon without a shadow of a doubt. Thank you for having me. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to tune into the Wounded Blue Hour, a show devoted to the mental, spiritual, physical health of America's law enforcement community. Um, if you can help, please go to thewoundedblue.org and uh, donate what you can. If you can do it monthly, that's fantastic. 10, 15 bucks a month adds up. If you're a corporation, if you're a business that wants to support The Wounded Blue, reach out to me personally, randy at thewoundedblue.org. That's randy at thewoundedblue.org and see how you can help support this organization and become a sponsor of some of our amazing events. Thanks for joining me here. I'm Randy Sutton, and we'll see you again next week here at The Wounded Blue Hour.